0: Welcome
1: to Cars Yeah! Show number
0: 709. If you're not happy, then get out of your comfort zone and start looking at something else.
1: This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts! I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling all the way in from Portugal, Jose Romeo de Sousa. Jose, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You bet! Yeah, I certainly am. (laughs) All right, great to have you here. Jose Romeo de Sousa lives in Porto, Portugal. His career spans decades in the manufacturing industry, in specialty chemicals, and today. He's a non-executive chairman of a number of groups and associated companies. Outside of his successful career, his passion, his real passion, is participating in classic automobile tours and rallies. And since 1999, José has driven in over three dozen events spanning the world, including countries like Argentina, Italy, Cuba, China, Brazil, India, and many, many more on practically every continent around the globe. He's driven Aston Martins, Jaguars, Alva Speeds, MGs, and many others on epic adventures. In 2017, he participated participate in seven events around the globe, including Japan. And recently, he's devoted time to setting up the Romeo de Sousa Foundation to help people with severe mental health issues. So, Jose, I've told our listeners just a little bit about your adventures. I'm so jealous. Please take a moment share a little bit more about your career, but more importantly... Your incredible passion for automobiles and driving all over the planet.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of people doing this. People of my age group, if you like, I just turned seventy and officially I'm retired now, so I have a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. And we, we particularly like um, long distance endurance rallies uh, sometimes covering, you know, 10,000 miles and going off for a month in faraway places. Uh, and recently, we sort of did a number of, of tours as well, because as we get older, we're not as, as fast or, or um, crazy about very rough, dusty gravel mm-hmm. uh, rallies. Uh, but yes, we try to do five, six, seven a year. Some are shorter. Uh, my most recent car is a pre war Alvis, as you said this is nineteen thirty two car and i i've actually taken it to Japan now and that's it's going to be about three thousand miles it's a, it's taking almost a month it's going to be a long a long drive but so far in that particular car i've done you know sort of three days one week maximum mm-hmm. tours and yes as uh, we do as as many as as we can and we have to do it fast because if if you are seventy you start counting your <laughs> your time and on this of on this travel and uh, yeah if we love to do I, I always tell people if, if you if you like it if you can afford it if you have the time to do it do it now don't don't wait until tomorrow do it just now
1: oh gosh you know, you're the youngest seven-year-old I've ever talked to I think in <laughs> Ruba Gerdi, who was a guest not too long ago here on Cars, yeah who introduced me to Jose was telling me the same thing. This guy is full of energy in life. You'd never believe he's the age that he was. She wouldn't, she didn't tell me how old you were. But, uh, when you mentioned 70, I went, no way. I mean, this guy's got the <laughs> spirit and light. So, uh, I think getting behind the wheel and taking these epic adventures definitely keeps you young. And we're going to learn a lot more about some of these adventures as we move through your journey in cars. But first, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of way of getting the inspirational wheels turning here on cars. Yeah. So. Jose, take the wheel. Well, when I was a little
0: boy, I remember one of my father's uh, uh, friends once asked me what I want to do in life. And I I think I gave him the the kind of st- standard answer that every boy gives uh, uh, when asked about that. But uh, I, I want to be a fireman or an airline pilot or something like that. Right. And I always remember that he said, well, it, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, I mean, as long as you are the, the best at whatever you do. Hmm. But perhaps if if I can offer you some piece of advice, first decide what you like to do and then pursue that and, and find someone that pays you for doing that. He <laughs> actually didn't say that. He said, find a sucker that pays you for doing that. <laughs> And I, I, I still feel that, uh, you know, going through life, uh, having a job, uh, nine to five or whatever, just earning a little bit of money but not really deriving any pleasure or, or sense of achievement from that is, is no way to do with it. You, you, you really have to be 200% behind what you do and for that you need to love that sort of job. And that's right. basically what I try to, to – I've, I've always tried to do that through my life.
1: Well, you had a very interesting career. And although your career was not in automobiles and so forth, a uh, very long, illustrative, successful career. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about how you've incorporated that mantra or what that, uh, <laughs> that person I love, the get some sucker to pay you. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, how have you incorporated that into your other main career? Because it wasn't around cars. So you, but you must have had some passion in that.
0: Well, I, I actually loved cars from a very young age, but of course, because of a career, I didn't have time or, or, or actually not even the money to pursue that. So I, I, I graduated in an engineering college in Portugal, then I got a scholarship and I did a PhD in chemical engineering in England. And when I came back, I took a job as an assistant lecturer at the university. And six months later, I said, that's not for me. I'd I, I like to do things. I'm... I'm um, I don't like, I mean, I, I don't mind teaching, but I, I no, no, I, I need to do something. So I uh, answered a newspaper ad and, and became production manager of a small chemical plant. By that time, I was I was already 30, and, and then it all went from there. And then uh, a year later, I was sales manager and then became CEO, and then that small little company grew into a, uh, still a micro conglomerate, but a, a company, a, a listed company with, with five or six different businesses. So it was only much later in life. If you saw the list, probably the first real rally that I did abroad was 99. So... Mm Uh, it was much, much later in life that I could afford to buy a classic car and could uh, and afford the time and, and the money to go. Um, and I think the first one I did was exactly in Argentina, like what you mentioned, and then I did the Mille Miglia in Italy the year after that. And from then on, I, I you know, went uh, as, as often as I could. And uh, to and I, I always tried to combine you know the passion for cars and the passion for travel at the same time. So right. we, in recent years, in particular, we've tried to to go to more exotic places like Myanmar or Bhutan or places that are not uh, your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. And that's how, how it is. That's uh, I, one thing I didn't mention that you might you might like to is that uh, uh, on virtually all of these uh, rallies and tours, uh, my co-driver is my wife. So oh, how wonderful! Uh, She's as crazy as I am, <laughs> and she, she's slightly younger than me, and she enjoys it all the time. So right. that that's. Comp- it compounds to a, to an interesting uh, experience as well.
1: Uh, you're very, very fortunate to have a spouse who's into cars and somebody that would go on these wild adventures with you. And so you get to bring that part of your life along. So, wow. Very fortunate guy who uh, has seen his focus and his passion and went for it. So a uh, wonderful story. Yeah, that list of, of events you've participated in since 99 just blew me away. Oh, my gosh. And the place is so <laughs> You could sit around and tell your grandchildren, if you're blessed to have grandchildren, so many stories, they'd finally go, enough, enough, we've heard enough. <laughs> it's never ending.
0: And some of them were really uh, life-changing because the experience, I've, I remember that perhaps one of the most demanding events that we did uh, 10 years ago was uh, picking to Paris. Oof. We did it again uh, three years later. But that first one, uh, driving through Mongolia and and Siberia and Russia, in in a car that was virtually breaking down every day, and and yeah. the challenges of getting it right overnight, or so you could restart uh, the next morning. Wow! We had to camp for about a week in Mongolia. We we made the, a lot of extremely. Uh, good friends then, which uh, are like family today. We visit each other, and it's uh, we, we we organize what we call board meetings, which is of course is only booze and and and, and uh,
1: <laughs> the best kind of uh, board meetings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, you know, we're going to learn a little more about some of these adventures, but before we go there, I want to take you back in time a little bit and have you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment, as you remember it in your life, when you realized that you were a car guy? Well I, I think I was
0: uh, I, I still remember it. I was six or seven when I, I had a chance to sit uh, at the lap of a driver on a, a circuit in, in my hometown, which is not Porto, it's Quimbra in the middle of the country. And that really changed me completely. It was a, a poor spider. Ooh. And uh, I, I I remember it and, and then Grew from there. When I was at university, I already did some rallies uh, as a navigator with with some friends. Mm-hmm. Then I one I, I built my own beach buggy, spending a couple of months in the garage with taking a, uh, a completely derelict uh, beetle and and then putting it together with a glass fiber body and oh, and, yeah. and so forth. Yeah, and uh, so so it's, it's been a long sort of passion. I, I just couldn't uh, afford it. I didn't have the time to pursue it at a, a younger age. So mm-hmm. it was only, uh, as I said, much later in life that I found the opportunity
1: to do that. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> Lovely. Well, José, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads. Oh, my gosh, the many roads that you've driven down. And talk about a huge challenge or even a big failure that you face along the way. You talked about that peaking to Paris sounding like an incredible challenge. But with all these travels you've done, is there one that really stands out for you that you would share? And more importantly, tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum to move forward in your career, your life, and your business.
0: Well, we uh, I've been quite fortunate because on most of those even very rough rallies, I, I managed to finish uh, virtually all of them with, with one exception in South America. And uh, we, a couple of years ago, we did Rally from Rio through Argentina. Actually, crossed from Brazil to Bolivia and then went down and all the way down to Ushuaia on the southern tip of of South America. Wow! It was the only one that we didn't finish. uh, uh, We blew the engine with low quality fuel, low in octane with a lot of alcohol in it on, on the border between Brazil and Bolivia and I couldn't uh, really repair the engine. I stayed two or three days there, I got some parts sent over, but in the end some of the parts were the wrong size, can you imagine? Oh no. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. And I, I found an incredible family uh, there that uh, took very good care of us and we became very good friends as well because I just spent three days there or two of them waiting for parts to be flown over and it was a big, big disappointment that we, didn't, we couldn't finish and I had to actually drive all. we, we, we followed the rally all the way down to, to the tip of South America through Chile and Argentina with a, a number of other teams that also uh, broke down and uh, it was it was interesting because the, the the road crosses between Chile and Argentina several times on the way south, mm-hmm. and we couldn't use a hire car to cross those borders. I mean, we could cross the border with a hire car, but we have to give it to give it back on the same country where we hired oh,
1: it. Oh, I see. You couldn't go from which, one country to the next in the same exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, we,
0: okay. which meant some of some of us hired a car in Chile, went to Argentina, and, and drove back to give it there, and some others uh, did the opposite, and we were crossing borders on foot to pick up the car from the other guys that actually oh have <laughs> <laughs> hired on the other side of the border. So it's uh, just one of uh, many, 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 many questions. But of course, speaking to Paris was one of the roughest ones, mm-hmm. because uh, it's a rally that's still going on uh, once every three years, uh, with 130 or 140 uh, entries. When we did it in 2007, first time was uh, virtually uh, 80% were pre-war cars. Wow! The oldest one was 1900. Uh, 19- Seven, I think, with an Nittola.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So it, it was out of this world. It was a, a tremendous adventure. Uh, it has changed a little bit in, through the, during the years. Now we find a lot of um, very well-prepared rally cars, and slightly later, you find 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still a tremendous adventure. That's just one of the routes, because we did it again three years later through the southern route, which is basically the, the Silk Silk Road. Silk Route um, from Mongolia through the steppes uh, uh, into Iran and then Turkey and and the, again it was a, a fabulous life-changing experience and and in those days we without without uh, internet in, in the middle of nowhere uh, some people with satellite phones but it was not that common in those days uh, you you are totally cut off from civilization for a month or, or right. two or three weeks and which gives a completely different uh, approach to the relationship between you and your pals there because yeah. there's no one else you can talk to. And very good camaraderie. You, if you broke down, a lot of people would stop by and try to help you and, and right. so forth. So it was a tremendous experience. Yeah.
1: You know, I've had uh, a couple of guests who've done some of these uh, epic journeys and rallies. And one of the things that comes out every time, and I'll ask you if this is the same you've uncovered, is when you travel around the world... And you think of all the political strife that we live with today and things you hear about other countries, which you then lump everyone in that country into that, that category sometimes, wrongfully, of course. Was that the big takeaway for you, that when you travel through these countries, the kindness and the generosity of the local people you meet and the friends that you gain during these adventures is what the real value of these travels yes. would be?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that's the real added value. Definitely. I mean, and in fact, not only the locals, although that that's unique to that particular event, but also the other competitors and the, the backup teams, the, the doctor, the, the, the mechanics and so forth. But on the locals, definitely. I, I always remember, for instance, on that second P2P, we crossed Iran. And Iran, of course, uh, um, made us feel slightly uneasy about a lot of things, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But I stopped a couple of times on a roadside cafe, and and even if we could hardly speak and understand each other, one guy didn't allow me to pay for anything, and we took a lot of pictures, and he was he was my friend, it's, uh, yeah. as, as as if we we have known each other since birth. Right? It's yeah. Uh, yeah. it's always like that. We find tremendous people uh, throughout those those events.
1: Yeah, I write a weekly blog here at CarShad, and one of the things I wrote not too long ago, and I've, I've talked about this with many people, is that cars tend to bring people together from all different backgrounds, all different thoughts and processes from political to genders to ethnicities, whatever it is, there seems to be a common bond that happens around an old car. I don't know what the magic there is. But I think that it tells a story that around the world, most people are just the same. They want to have a life for their family. They they want to be friendly and happy towards other people. And I'm so happy to hear that. I, I just can't imagine the wonderful adventures that these kinds of rallies and tours creates for people. Jose, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a a career or a tour or rally aha moment. One of those times when uh, things kind of illuminated your way for some new thoughts and processes. Could you tell us about one of your probably many aha moments? Perhaps the big
0: um, aha moment, if you like, or uh, a decision that really uh, conditioned all the future for me was was when i when I decided to stop uh, teaching at a university and and take up a job uh, on a manufacturing company uh, and i just answered a newspaper ad and went for a for an interview one day I went back to resign from the university and started working the next day in a, in a, in a separate town in a different town and i didn 't know anyone there so that was really the the moment that I decided that uh, uh, I, I i I thought uh, I had some skills that could be interesting on a, on a management career, dealing with people and with problems and try to get everybody behind a, a certain um, mission, a sense of of, uh, of what to do and uh, where we want to go. And uh, and that was really a, a big change in in, in my career. Mm. And I, I, I always think that was the uh, decisive moment of what I became and what I did after that.
1: This is an important thing because a lot of people go through times in their careers where they realize i don't really enjoy what i'm doing i need to do something different and it's a hard step for people to take absolutely oh yeah but so important so is there a takeaway from that experience you can share for someone who's maybe listening to the show that's in that situation they're just not that happy they might have a successful career but they they're just not that happy what's the takeaway for you
0: when you say we're, when we're not happy, for me, it really means when you when you are not learning anymore. When you get to a plateau that you you you, you do a job that is uh, basically the same thing every day, and then and then if that's the case, then you have to really decide that you uh, you you're ready to switch switch jobs, move to something else. And uh, and if you do that and you're you correctly in choosing what you want to do, then you start learning a lot and you're starting enjoying your job more and more and, and your your future prospects uh, become completely different and much wider and much more rewarding than the go on doing the same thing as before. Uh-huh. Right. Of course, a lot of people feel very comfortable when they do that, uh, but if you're not happy, uh, then get out of your comfort zone and and, uh, and start looking at something else, more Challenging.
1: There's the key words. Get out of your comfort zone. And for a guy who's traveled in an old car all over the world, <laughs> you know everything about that, don't you? <laughs> so uh, well,
0: well there's, there's still there's still a lot of places we haven't been to. Yeah. Uh, but on the other end there's some places where we've been to where today it's very difficult to go back now. Yes. Two thousand nine we did the rally from Tunisia and Libya and Egypt, ah, and just yeah. a few months after that, I mean, all countries collapsed. Uh, it's very difficult to go back, and it will be like that for a few years. For, we were in India, for instance, on the Indian Himalaya a couple of months ago, and we we couldn't go to the capital of Kashmir because there were there were already some um, there, there was a curfew and there was some confrontation on the streets. So it's it's, it's 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 like that. You you have to do it as soon as you can and, yes. and do it. Now, because uh, and the way the, the word is is uh, changing these days, a lot of those places will not be safe anymore. And right. I mean, it's it's not it's not completely new because, um, uh, for instance, one of the first real long rallies was London Sydney in '68, and London Sydney went through Afghanistan to, through the Khyber Pass, which mm. is now is in no-go land. I mean, right. no no one can do that anymore. And so that's how it is. It's uh,
1: Well, it's a testament to what you said. When you have the opportunity, take it. I had another guest on the show who did a a rally in an old vintage Cadillac from England to Russia. And when they arrived in Russia, there was a attempted coup happening in the city uh, of taking over the country. And a man walked up and said, what are you doing here? There's a coup happening. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's like, what? So, yeah, take those opportunities when you can. Well, let's talk about your proudest career or business or life moment. I would assume you've had many. But is there one that stands out that you'd share with us? Well, again, probably nothing to do with cars. But one one of the things that I'm probably most
0: proud of was that uh, uh, on on that uh, micro conglomerate that I mentioned earlier on, we launched the management buyout some 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. On uh, on a listed company, we launched a a public offer of acquisition, Mm -hmm. an extremely leveraged operation that would not be possible these days with with very little equity on it. And that was quite successful. Uh, It was a team of uh, uh, myself and, and four other. It was actually my management team there. And that worked very well. And again, it's the same sort of, uh, of risk-taking and 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 challenging. Uh, I mean, I was very comfortable as a, as a CEO of a, a small public company. I could very well go on like that for many years. But in the end, I thought that we had actually been very important in building up the group, the business to the stage, and we we thought we could do a little bit more. And and the major shareholder was. Uh, Accepted the idea that he could be selling, so in the end we put it all together. It worked very well wow. uh, in a number of number of ways. So there you are. I'm always uh, t- again, it's more or less the same approach as I say: get out of your comfort zone, uh, assess your chances because it's in, in all these operations and there's a lot of, always a lot of risks and sometimes go things go wrong, right. but you you have to. Uh, Weigh them and the pros and the cons, and and if you decide to go ahead, then then do that, and and we did, and it went very well.
1: Well, congratulations, and especially you mentioned again comes back that concept of when you have an opportunity, take it. Taking a highly leveraged company public uh, this day and age. Probably impossible uh, in oh, many yeah. respects, but back then yeah, things good. were different, money was different, and uh, you saw the opportunity and took it. So congratulations. Very nice. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and talk about your first really special car. I would assume over your lifetime you've uh-huh. had a lot of interesting cars, but we'll focus on that, that first one that was really special for you and maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle.
0: My first car was very special in a number of ways. I don't even know if, if your listeners know that. It was a, s- a small French car called Citroën de Chevaux, 2CV.
1: Oh, the de Cheveau, of course. Yes. 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 Yeah, they never really came
0: over here. I know, I know. It was a very, very crude, with a, an air-cooled uh, 600cc uh, two-cylinder <laughs> engine. Yeah. And uh, But it was a typical, uh, you know, student car. And... Uh, I, we did a lot of uh, crazy things in it. It was a car that you could you could take the, your seats uh, off the car, both the front and the rear seats, if you were camping or making a picnic or whatever. If that was your seating arrangement. You just took took the seats out of the car. The seats were were you know cloth seats. And um, for instance, when I, when I built that beach buggy I was talking about, it uh-huh. was the two CV that was used to to take the chassis of the Beetle to be cut and also to pick up the the glass fiber body for the. And, and actually, when I went to England the first time, uh, I took the 2CV the with me. That was my car. I drove from Portugal to England. I kept it there for two or three years. And I did all sorts of things um, and, until one day I, I jammed the, the gearbox in, the, in Cornwall in the southwest uh, tip of England. And I had to find a, a, a racing driver with a trailer to take me to the railway station. There was a uh, there was a train for cars. Then go back to London like that. So
1: it was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those are such interesting cars. I have a friend here who was actually... Gosh, I think he was my second or third guest here on Cars. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And his name is Kenji Yoshino. He grew up in Japan. And okay. Kenji is a big fan of Citroen. Has a 2CV. And I remember the first time he gave me a ride in that thing... It was just like giving it a little tin can that just had these this suspension that just kind of floated all over the place. Yeah, it was exactly yeah. yeah, it was just incredible. But he loves those cars. He has a successful Citroen parts business coming out of Seattle, sells to people all over the world. And uh he's had a lot of interesting old French cars, mostly those citrons that he's given me rides in and let me drive a few of those cars. They're very unique.
0: You know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And some of the old ones had Even uh, interesting doors where the hinge was in the middle of the B pillar. So they had like suicide doors on the front.
0: Exactly. That was the case with this one. Yeah. Okay.
1: Very interesting cars. Very cool. Well, how about a car that you, yeah, I love those. How about a car that you've had that you really wish you had back? The old seller's remorse.
0: Well, guess what? I've never really sold any car that uh, I—I mean, any classic car. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but there's a lot of cars I wish I had bought many years ago, and I didn't, and I always regret not having bought them. But uh, no, not not selling because uh, I—I mean, I've sold cars that cars that I drive every day, of course. Then. But not classics. Classics, I, I, I tend to keep them forever. It's, uh, well,
1: you're a very smart man, that's for sure. There's a lot of past guests here on Cars, yeah, that including myself, that uh, wish we had done that in our life. We'd have a much bigger garage, but, uh, of course, sometimes cars have to go for other cars and things like that. But uh, you're one smart guy. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what has you really excited and fired up, and maybe talk a little bit about the Romeo de Sousa Foundation. I think it's really fascinating, this foundation you've set up to help people with severe mental health issues and problems. What has you really excited and fired up today?
0: Well, that, that's exactly what uh, keeps me excited and, and fires me up today, because we, we started it a couple of years ago, and I still devote a large uh, proportion of my time uh, helping that. I mean, it all started because... We have a son who's now 37. Who, who when he was, uh, you know, 19 or 20, came up with a with a very strong uh, psychosis, with a, a very difficult uh, oh, no. uh, schizo- schizophrenia. Oh now, no! Now, 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 we talk about it freely. It, it uh-huh. takes it takes a long time to accept that and yes. to uh, go over, you know, the, the stigma of uh, of uh, mental health uh, oh, or yeah. mental disease, if you like. Usually, you go through a, a sequence of phases from "Why me? What have we done wrong? What, why?" Could this happen to us right and, and in some in some cases if, if a sentiment of, of, uh, of shame as well because uh, societies tend to look at these people in in a, in a different way so uh, once once uh, is is quite he's uh, 37 now he's quite comfortable is is actually not on medication for many many years he travels around He's uh, oh, still very still very delusional but he can he can manage uh, uh, he doesn't lose his passport that, that often and the, he's still Managed to talk to people, which is which is good. But that that was what what got us into into mental health issues. And and uh, I don't know if you are aware, but uh, the, for many years the trend now is to completely institutionalize people with these kind of problems. Uh, at the old style uh, mental op- hospitals, like uh, I, I'm sure you've seen cuckoo's nest, right, flying over the cuckoo's nest, yeah, exactly. an extreme example of, of that kind of thing. That that is all gone now. And if you have a psychotic episode, then you, you might need to spend a couple of weeks, two or three weeks uh, at a mental uh, hospital institution. And then, and then you go home, whoever can take care of you. And that's extremely difficult for parents and families. And, um, and uh, we, we thought there would be something, there was, there was a need for something in between uh, hospitalization and uh, go back to your social circuit. And, and that's why we actually started a, a community Therapeutic communities for mental health which is not very common in this country because when we talk about uh, therapeutic communities here everybody talks about drugs very mm. little about mental health they share a lot of things because it's just it's just a community is a house with 10 people or something living there um, people that need help people that help them uh, psychologists psychiatrists uh, whatever whoever you and they organize themselves they Discuss all the problems, they go out shopping, they, they cook, they clean the house, whatever. and some people spend a month or two there, other people need a little bit more time and spend three or four months <laughs> and uh, it's very rewarding if uh, and I go there it's not here it's about 200 uh, something miles from here. Whenever I go there, I, I, I know a lot of people that stay that, that live there, and it's very rewarding to see them going out uh, after a couple of months or six months or a year, and uh, restart with a lot more. Cognitive capacities that uh, when they they got in, then that's the plan. That's the idea. We we try to help those people, and um, in some cases we have success. Sometimes it's more difficult, and people you know need a little bit more time. I spend a lot of time with that these days.
1: I commend you for what you're doing. I, I would I would assume your wife's involved, of course, as well, especially with what you. Yeah. You've- yeah. You've been challenged with your son, but it, it is so important because mental health is something that, uh, at least more people are talking about it today in the capacity it needs to be talked about before it was this stigma that people didn't understand. And if, you, if you've not dealt with it, it's so confusing to understand. It just seems like this. How, how could that happen? Just straighten yourself out. Just behave, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I really commend you, and I appreciate you sharing that a little bit. Is there a, a website or a place that listeners can go yeah, to learn yeah. more?
0: Well, there's 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 a website of the foundation. There's also the website of the community. The Community is called Casa de Alba, okay. which is for for your Spanish speaking listeners. It's <laughs> uh, it's a typical it's a typical Latin word, and the website is casa dot net n e t. And the foundation has has a website as well. So you're very welcome to have a look at it. Uh, And this uh, foundation site is in English as well. I'm not sure about Casa I don't think it has has, has something, um, at least from the Congress, because we organized every two years, we organize a mental health international congress with a lot of speakers from other Ah, countries and and try to uh, learn and help other people uh, set up similar activities. Absolutely.
1: Well, I'll make sure that I uh, post those. Links to those websites on uh, Jose's website page here at carjad.com so that you can learn more about that and definitely go there. All right, here's a very introspective question for you, Jose. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? (laughs) Uh,
0: I don't know uh, whether it's because of my build or or, uh, I've I've always uh, thought that uh, the kind of car that probably be closer to the way I am and is a pre-war Bentley, a, a ah. 4.5 liter Bentley. So if you like a, a fast truck, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, that's probably the best, uh, the best uh, <laughs> image that I can offer you. I think that.
1: that works for you the way I know you and these, these uh, tremendous uh, epic journeys that you go on. Yeah, I think that would fit your persona very well. Wonderful. Of course, would there be a blower on that Bentley? Yes. Yep. So it can go a little bit faster. So Absolutely. So, Jose, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit Drive Toward a Cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions. While driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yacht Guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today or better yet, go for the drive. <laughs> Jose, we are back and we're ending what I call the last lap, or in your case, the last leg of your journey. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, or classic cars,
0: never buy a a middle-of-the-road car, either buy a complete wreck or an immaculate uh, (laughs) rebuilt car, never in between.
1: Never in between. I've heard that before from a few people. So would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
0: Well, we all make mistakes, but I I try to learn from my mistakes. I I treat everybody with, with respect. I try to learn from them all the time. The most important thing is not to make mistakes but it's when you find out that you made a mistake to, to correct it quickly
1: very important yeah address that issue immediately and then move on and uh keep a little reminder file in your skull there that uh, you need to not do that on that one again now how about a resource is there one in particular you'd like to share with our listeners
0: well if you're traveling on a class car uh, on a classic car the most important asset you can carry with you is is a mobile phone of course
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: unless you are on those long distance endurance rallies, and for that you need uh, you need the uh, jacks and spanners and all the rest of it. So
1: <laughs> be prepared, have the right tools on board, most yeah, definitely.
0: Check. Uh, you know, in England, they always say there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad clothes for the <laughs> kind of weather it takes,
1: and also good. Uh, you know, I, I live up here in the Pacific Northwest, and we share some weather with England a little bit with the rain and so forth, although today is beautiful. Yeah, it's just a matter of um, the right clothing for sure. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field, living or deceased, who would it be? Well, one
0: one person that has always uh, impressed me, and and he was never, he, he was not uh, uh, Formula One world champion, is Sterling Moss. Now, Sir Sterling Moss. Uh-huh. Now. yeah. I have uh, an autograph from him uh, uh, that he, he print printed on my Mille media. Ah. When when we did that in two thousand. And uh, is still very much active. That's a person that I've always admired. That I, I, I wouldn't mind having a drink with him.
1: Uh, I think so. I've been. I've had the fortune of talking with him a few times. The last time was last summer during the Pebble Beach Car Week at the Quail event. I ran into. Yes been to that. Sir Sterling and Lady Susie, which was great yeah. fun to talk with them. And I've always uh, wanted to have him as a guest on this show. I hope I can make that happen someday. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you think our listeners would enjoy reading that you've enjoyed? Well, again, can, can I can I offer some books that have nothing to
0: do with cars? And of course,
1: of course, yes.
0: Well, there's obviously a lot of books that I've read that uh, uh, shaped the, the way I, I, I think uh, today. Uh, but there's, uh, I'm going to give you three books that uh, spaced by about tw- 20 years between each one. Oh, wow. The first one is is a book that w- was actually a, a television series in in made by the BBC in England in the middle 70s, 73 or 74, called The Essence of Man by a guy called Bronowski, Yakov. I- Bronowski, mm-hmm. and it was very impressive it uh, you know shows uh, as a species why where we came from and how, how come we came uh, where we are today and it was uh, made a great impression on me at that time. Mm. twenty years later, there was another book that made a great impression on me and, and i 'm sure you know this guy well because the author is a guy called Kevin Kelly, He was the editor of Wired for many years ah. and he has written a number of books on on uh, on management and on uh, our technology has changed the way we, we, we do business. And the, his first book was called Out of Control. And it's a, sort of a symbiosis between man and machine and, and the power of, uh, for instance, one of the experiences he did was to have a, a theater with a thousand people, each one with a, with a control in his hand, and all together they were flying an airplane, can you imagine? <laughs> and then telling, telling, telling the plane to go up or down or yep. left or right or whatever. So another one that I read very recently is, is a book called Legacy which uh, apparently is, is about the All Blacks I, 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 I don't know if you follow rugby uh, probably not the All Blacks is the New Zealand team that has, mm. uh, has, has won world champion many times yes. but in fact it's a book about, uh, about management again about teams how, we, how you get people to share some sort of objectives and how you go about uh, achieving that and that's a, a brand new book was published two or three years ago and the author is a guy called James Kerr so there you are instead of one I'm giving you three
1: well great we love books here on Carja yeah, and I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these great resources on Jose's show notes page at carja.com. Just type Jose, J-O-S-E into the search bar and you'll, that page will pop up. And there's another great place on the Carja yeah website called Guest Recommended Books where these three books and books recommended by the past 700 plus guests are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy under the resources tab. Lots of great books. Thanks for sharing those very much. Right, We are up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one, one, I'm sorry, just one very cool collector car in your garage, something you could take around the world and drive in rallies, I'm sure that's what a criteria for you has got to be. But money's no object. I'll buy you anything you'd like today. What would that car be and why?
0: Well, some of the cars that I'm thinking about are, are actually not cars that you could uh, take with you railing around the world. <laughs> okay. I'm... <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm not actually thinking also about the ones that go on auctions for 25 million pounds. Uh, well, thank you for that. Or, or, or more, <laughs> yeah. But that's no, no. One car that always been on my imagination. Uh, again, I had a short ride on one when I was 20 something. was Was a Lamborghini Miura. Oh. I don't know whether where where is the shape. Uh, but that was something that was always on my mind. I I, I never had one, but it's if I want to offer you uh, a car that I could buy now, I'd probably go for that. Uh, it's not one of the most expensive, but it has a beautiful uh, shape, and yeah. uh, it has that Italian flair uh, also. Uh, so that, yeah. I'll, I'll go for that. Uh, I think Europe. the yeah. the
1: Miro was one, uh, at least my perception of that, is probably one of the first supercars ever built. And it's just such a gorgeous design. I mean, I, I had the fortune of, riding in one i've never been able to drive one but i rode in one it was a lime green color the car had just been restored and sitting in that car and just right over your shoulders that window and then right behind that is the engine transversely mounted it's just oh my gosh you picked a nice now would you like an sv or does it not matter to you yeah
0: yeah yeah okay go for an sv of course
1: yeah now what color would you
0: like that lambo to be um well i'll probably get away from lime or red or, or yellow uh i have a friend that has a silver one with the uh, l- i don't know what how do you call the, the the leather color inside was well, very distinctive and I, I always enjoy that i always like that it's very unusual because there are either, as you say lime or green or red or right uh but i would probably go for a silver one anyway
1: yeah i'm trying to think i was at the, the quail and of course uh pebble beach last year and they had a lot of and in the concorso italiano of course where they had a whole line of muras yep, there yep. and i'm trying to think if there was a silver one there was lots of different colors but what i loved about those cars too is some of the interior colors were just wild and crazy uh compared to the exteriors but ah, uh, you picked a nice one oh my gosh
0: good i'm glad i'm glad we share that back. yeah that's that gonna, gonna be
1: fun to i'll tell you what i'll bring that over to uh Portugal and you can take me on some of the beautiful roads through Portugal and Spain and we can have a good time driving that car. (laughs) Sounds like, sounds like a dream drive to me. Well, that's that's the deal. Yeah. yeah, Sounds cool. (laughs) Well, Jose, you've taken me on an awesome rally tour ride today. I really enjoyed learning more about you and I want to thank you for sharing your amazing Uh, life in cars with the cars. Yeah. My pleasure. Would you That's offer right. us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Lamborghini Miura SV? Well, the really important
0: thing is to realize that uh, we go, we we travel through life. We just ride, like like when you drive for a day or so in a car. So it, it takes a little bit longer. It takes a few years, uh, preferably uh, more than seventy. So you, you might as well enjoy the ride. I mean, take take the best of it and and uh, have fun uh, because you know someday sometimes totally unexpected suddenly the rides the ride ends right
1: to, right. to uh, so go through life enjoy the ride enjoy the ride so important and is there a way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing and again i'll mention that we'll we'll post the foundation website yeah, uh, on the site yeah. yeah but is there another way people can follow what you do do you have a public life in that sense
0: the, the, well, I, I did publish the, a couple of blogs on some of the longer rallies. Well, there's, there's, I publish a lot of things on FaceTime on on Facebook these days. Yeah, so that's probably the best way to look into what I'm doing. I, 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 as I said, I did a blog on on the NG Magnet that we did the two picking to Paris on, and that's on on the Magnet website as well. But it's very focused. And since then, I, I published us pictures and a couple of comments on, on Facebook, and that's it. Yeah.
1: Well, I think you need to create a website so you can take us all with you on these great adventures. <laughs> and now that we have all these satellite links you can post up, I follow a young couple from Australia that uh, sail their sailboat around the world, and every day they post up their adventures. And so the technology we have today to follow along. So uh, for those oh, of yes. us that Sorry. can't have... Have the journeys like you have. You gotta, you gotta take us there. So I'm gonna push you to do that. Maybe you can do that someday. <laughs> well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Jose has been so kind to share at his show notes page, at dot com. Again, that's Jose J O S E Roman. I'll just uh, put Sousa S O U S A, his last name. He's got quite a great name. But I want to encourage you to check out what uh, he's doing. Wow, talk about somebody who walks his talk and is taking great adventures on with life. And again. You are, like Ruba said, the youngest 70-year-old I've had on the show. So, <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Congratulations for finding the fountain of youth along your many journeys. Thank you, Jose, sir, for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your wonderful experiences with the Shout listeners and me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.